Welcome to the One God Report podcast. Bill Schlegel here. This episode is called, Is Jesus a Mere Human? Answers in Genesis wrote a blog post or an article which reviewed a few of my blog posts. The Answers in Genesis article is called, Refuting Unitarian Errors Regarding the Deity of Jesus. How can we respond to claims that Jesus is a mere human? There's a link to the Answers in Genesis article in the show notes. The author of this article is, his name is Simon Turpin. I don't know him. Looks like he's the UK executive director for Answers in Genesis. I'm not 100% sure how I got on the Answer in Genesis radar, but I think I know because in their museum, they were selling my satellite Bible atlas, and I thanked them for that. But someone in Answers in Genesis probably heard that I don't think that the Messiah is literally God, rather that God the Father was in the Messiah Jesus, as the Gospel of John says. Anyway, they quit selling the book, even though I don't think there is anything in the atlas that a conservative Christian wouldn't agree with. It's a historical geography of the Bible from Abraham through Jesus. But hey, it's their bookstore, and they can sell whatever books they want. And I thank AIG for selling the Satellite Bible Atlas for a number of years. My comments here are not against Answers in Genesis specifically, but are a general response to the typical kinds of claims Trinitarians make, like the claims in the AIG blog post. If Simon or somebody else at AIG wants to discuss these issues, I'd be more than happy to have a private or public discussion. That'd be great. But let me emphasize that my response here in this episode is more of a response to all Trinitarian theology. I think it's good that uh, Simon has tried to respond to some of the things I've said and others have said that believe that God is one and that Jesus is God's human Messiah. It's good they're thinking about it because I find that in many cases that they don't really want to think that much about it. They just would prefer to just cancel out or just ignore anything that might go against their Roman Byzantine understanding of who God and Jesus are. The author of the article scatters many scripture references. I didn't count them all, probably 50, 60 references. And I think many of the verses that he refers to can be understood better than in the way he suggests. Usually he just gives the reference and he doesn't really go into the verse that much. But he has read some of my blog posts and is trying to answer. Like I say, I, I thank him and congratulate him for reviewing and responding. The article is broken down into different sections after an introductory paragraph. The main topic that he deals with is what he calls, Is Jesus Just a Human Messiah? And then the next topic is, Did Jesus Become a Man? Followed by, Did Jesus Pre-exist? And did Thomas call Jesus God? So in this session, I'm just going to look at the main title and first section. Is Jesus just a human Messiah? But before I get to that topic specifically, I'd like to make a few comments on his introductory paragraph. He starts out by saying Unitarianism or Socinianism. The word Unitarian can be confusing since most people associate it with Universalist Unitarians who don't really believe anything and believe everything. 
this is totally what I'm not. Actually, I would make the claim and I'm much more conservative biblically than the typical Trinitarian understanding of the scriptures, which depends on later Greco-Roman Byzantine interpretation and tradition. So I don't really define my belief with a Latin term. I believe in the one God of the scriptures and the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The author mentions the Socinians. Socinians were some reformers that thought the Protestant Reformation didn't go far enough. Sure, like Luther and the other reformers, they were happy to get rid of things like indulgences and praying to saints and authorities of the Pope. But the Socinians were reformers that thought, hey, those reforms were right, but we also need to get back to the biblical declaration of who God and the Christ are. In the introductory paragraph, he says, the Bible is clear there's only one God. He references Deuteronomy 6.4, of course. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Yahweh is one. Our God is one. In Mark 12.29, where Jesus quotes that, and Jesus is quoting it, stating that his God is the God of the fathers, the God of Israel. And we can see, for instance, in the book of Acts, that Jesus is the son, or the servant, actually, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jesus understands that his God is one, the God of Israel. The article continues. He says, non-Trinitarians confuse monotheism, belief in one God, with Unitarianism, the belief that the being of God is possessed by one person. Now, that's an interesting statement. The belief that the being of God is possessed by one person. This is why I claim that I'm much more biblical than the Trinitarians. I'm much more conservative, if you will, or more Protestant. And as soon as Trinitarians start to describe who their God is, the more they try to describe their God, the further they get away from biblical language. And this is an example of that. The author gives a definition of Trinitarian doctrine. He says this, Jesus' divinity is part of the doctrine of the Trinity, which states that within the one being that is God, there exist eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each is a distinct person, yet each is identified as God. Unquote. Now, you can search high and low in the Bible but you're never going to find any kind of a description, any kind of a statement or declaration that within the one being that is God, there exist eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons. This statement is simply something very foreign to the Bible. Besides that not being in the scripture, you see what that does? That makes the one God an it within this one being, this one it, this one substance. The one God is only a substance. But then this Trinitarian definition of God contradicts the other core essential deity of Christ's claim. And that is that God, or one member of a multi-person God, took on a second nature, a human being, a human nature. So the Trinitarian definition of God denies that Jesus is a human being. 
If there's only one being that is God, then Jesus is not a human being, as that would be two beings. The definition of the doctrine of the Trinity has eliminated even the so-called human nature of Jesus. If the Trinity God is one being, then Jesus, or even the Trinitarian, quote, God the Son, is not a human being. The human being, the person, Jesus of Nazareth, is eliminated by this very definition of the doctrine of the Trinity. He goes on and says, each is a distinct person, yet each is identified as God. The article sprinkles a lot of biblical references, and most people aren't going to look them up. They just think, oh, yeah, okay, he must have a point because he's got so many biblical references here. But let's just look up Philippians 1, 2 for a second, okay? So God is the Father, and Philippians 1, 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this verse, the Lord Jesus Christ is distinguished from God. I know that as a Trinitarian, that was hard to see. I didn't see that. And sometimes the Bible gets even more specific than that. Sometimes the Bible will describe that the Father is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, a verse like Philippians chapter 1, verse 2 shows that the Father is God. But it also shows that the Lord Jesus Christ is not God. And then he says the Son is God. Okay, we're going to sprinkle these references in, John 1, 1 and 18. Then the Holy Spirit, and he gives a reference, Acts 5, 3 to 4. Now, here's another thing about this claim. Why three different references? One reference for the Father, one reference from a different place for the Son, and another reference somewhere else for the Spirit to show that all these three together are the three eternal persons in the one essence that is God. Is there no place in the Bible that you can just open up and have Jesus saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, within the one being of God, there exists eternally three co-equal persons. Jesus reveals to us who God is. Why didn't Jesus ever explain this? Or why didn't the Apostle Paul ever explain this? The Apostle Paul is not shy about his belief in God. He wrote the book of Romans with 16 chapters, and he describes all kinds of different beliefs and doctrines, and there's no description of a three-personed God in the book of Romans or in any of the other places in Paul's writings. What the author of this blog does, and not only him, again, it's this is Trinitarianism, you take one place you say, oh, the Father is God. And you say, oh, another place. Verses that are kind of a little bit different. If you've listened to any of my other podcasts about John 1.1, God there in John 1.1 is the Father. This gospel tells us the Father dwelt in Jesus. This is the God in Jesus in the gospel of John. There is no God the Son anywhere in the gospel of John. He's just not there. But they're taking a verse from here, a verse from there, and another verse or clue, really, sort of an abstract clue from over there, and they're combining it, like mixing up a soup or something, and they've created a tripersonal God. 
if you've got to assemble or create a tripersonal God by combining this verse with that clue, that is an idol. He closes his introductory paragraph by saying, this issue is important because if we deny the deity of Jesus, then we do not know the Father and therefore we do not have eternal life. And he gives three references from 1 John. Now, hold on a second. Uh, you're a Trinitarian. So are you saying you can deny that God is triune and still have eternal life? You're not supposed to only be a binitarian. So let's get that straight too. Is the issue only the deity of Christ or is the issue the triune nature of God? And then if we take a look at the verses from 1 John that are referenced here, 1 John 2.23 says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Like I just mentioned, first thing, a Trinitarian should ask, why didn't John say, whoever denies the three-personed being of God does not have eternal life? And then the verse does not say, whoever denies the deity of Christ doesn't have the Father. Take another honest, non-presupposition look at 1 John 2.23. Is there anything in that verse that describes the deity of the Son or the deity of Christ? Or that says that you must believe that the Son or that the Christ is God? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. May I suggest that Trinitarianism and deity of Christ belief actually is denying the Son? Because they deny that Jesus is a human person. They think, even as you can see in the rest of this article, this author believes that Jesus is a God person who has only taken on human flesh. To a deity of Christ believer, the human person Jesus never existed because the God person took on flesh. 1 John 2.23 does not say anything about believing that Jesus is God because the Son of God is a title for the Messiah, the human Messiah. 1 John says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Amen. Part of this is we need to understand what the biblical title, Son of God, means. Because if we insist the Son of God is someone or something the Bible does not, then we have a fake Jesus. If we insist the Son of God is literally God, or if we twist the title, Son of God, into, quote, God the Son, one person of a triune being, but if we change who the Son of God is, and then I insist, you must accept my definition of who Son of God is. He's an eternal procession, equal with the Father. That's the Son of God in the Bible. You must receive my version of who the Son of God is. Otherwise, you don't have eternal life. Well, God himself has revealed to us who the Son of God is, what he's like. And the Son of God is a human person in the Scripture. He's always a created being. He's never God himself. Usually the liberals, they'll take away from the Scriptures and they think, oh, no, that Scripture can't be right and true. But other deceptive errors twist or want to add on to the Scripture. 
The Bible says that Jesus the Messiah is a man. Don't add to the scriptures, lest you be found to be a liar. So let's not make our own definition of who Christ is or who the Son of God is and then say, if you don't believe my definition, then you don't have eternal life. And then the last reference he gives here is 1 John 5.20. Yes, receiving eternal life involves knowing two, not three, persons. As Jesus said in John 17.3, Father, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, whom you have sent. The Father, according to Jesus, is the only true God. And folks, I don't know how to say this, but people who really believe the scriptures like me, we kind of shake our heads in somewhat astonishment or amazement that this verse, 1 John 5.20, keeps being paraded as a verse that declares that Jesus is God. Apparently, people aren't aware of another way to understand this verse. Even in the book called Jesus as God by Murray Harris, where he's scratching to find any evidence of the 1,320 times where God is mentioned in the New Testament, that perhaps a few of them might be Jesus, he comes and says, no, you know what? This one, 1 John 5.20, this one is not declaring that Jesus is God. So your evidence is so scant that you have to come to a verse that can be very easily understood in a different way. In this verse, the true God refers to the Father. Just like Jesus said in John 17, 3, Father, you are the only true God. This is the true God, the Father, and his Son is Jesus Christ. When we read the epistle of 1 John, everywhere, everywhere in this epistle, God is the Father. God sent the Son. The title Father is another way to say God, all of God. So then, after the introductory paragraph, the author breaks his blog post down into several sections. The first one is called, Is Jesus Just a Human Messiah? That's the longest section. He quotes from one of my posts where I said, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the God of Jesus, the Messiah, like your God and my God, is the God whose name has been revealed to us in the Bible, spelled with the four Hebrew consonants, yud Unquote. That's me. And then he comments, he says, Like other Unitarians, Schlegel reduces the concept of Jesus' messiahship to that of a mere human. Now, I don't think I'm doing any kind of reduction of who the Messiah is. I find that a lot of Christians don't even know what Messiah means. The Hebrew word Messiah or Christ. It means anointed. So it doesn't have a meaning of deity. So the scriptures everywhere, the Christ, the Messiah, is a human being. Go ahead, try and find a place in the Bible where Messiah, Christ, means deity. I'm not reducing the concept of Jesus' Messiahship to that of a mere human. This is the biblical Messiah. 
He goes on and says the Old Testament, however, does not speak of the Messiah as merely a human, but as God. And now again, he's going to give some biblical references without really going into much detail. But it looks like it's all biblical. When you really look at the references, hold on a second. The first reference given is Psalm 45.6, which is a psalm about a descendant of David who's going to be married. As I mentioned, the article doesn't look at the text, but just gives the reference as if the messianic subject of Psalm 45 was considered to be literally deity. And then Psalm 45, it's partly quoted in Hebrews 1.8. And the text can be translated as either your throne, O God, is forever, or your throne is God forever. And in the very next verse, this descendant of David is described as having a God. Therefore, God, your God, has highly exalted you. So whoever the psalmist is speaking about has a God. He's a human being. And then he quotes Isaiah 7.14, God with us. God is with us. Does this author know about God-bearing names that are given to human beings? Like Jehu, whose name means he is Yahweh. You think Jehu, a king in Israel, was literally Yahweh riding in a chariot from remote Gilead to Jezreel? A name with God in it can be given to a human being to declare something about God. In this case, Emmanuel. God is with us. God was with Judah in the days of the prophet Isaiah and King Hezekiah. And then, mighty God, he quotes in Isaiah 9.6. Yes, our God is El Gibor. He's mighty God. And that's why you can give that name to a human being, because you're declaring that our God is mighty God. It's actually very similar to the name Gabriel in English, Gabriel. It has the same root meanings, God and mighty. And by the way, Isaiah 9.6 goes on to say that one of the names of this messianic figure is Aviad, everlasting father. Now, is the Messiah the everlasting father? No, the name Aviad, which can be translated into English, everlasting father, is given to a human being to declare that our God is our father forever. And then the author puts down Psalm 110.1 as evidence for a God Messiah in the Old Testament. And Psalm 110.1 has a little footnote down there where he acknowledges that Lord can be used of non-deity people. This is the Hebrew word Adon. Psalm 110 has two different individuals, two different beings. One of them is Yudhe the God of Israel. The other one is not. Yudhe Amar Le'adoni. Yahweh said to my Lord, David is acknowledging that his descendant is greater than him. It doesn't mean that his descendant is God. The one who David calls his Lord is not Yahweh. Yahweh spoke to David's human Lord. David knows the difference between Yahweh and the one that Yahweh puts at his right hand. 
The next reference is Jeremiah 23, 6, where Jeremiah says that a descendant of David will be called Adonai Tzidkenu. Yahweh is our righteousness. Deity of Christ believers take this as if this means some kind of a ontological description that his essence is Yahweh, as if the coming king was literally Yahweh dressed up in human flesh. Again, deity of Christ believers apparently don't know that a human person's name, in Hebrew especially, can make a declaration about an attribute of God. Just like in Jeremiah 33.16, we see the exact same name, Yahweh is our righteousness, applied to the city of Jerusalem. Now, is the city of Jerusalem literally God? No, the city has the name because it declares a characteristic of Israel's God, that Yahweh is our righteousness. So I could go on and on here, but this is sloppy biblical exegesis. I'm just kind of grabbing a verse from here and grabbing a verse from there and throwing it out here like, oh, this is proof that in the Old Testament they thought the Messiah was God as if the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah couldn't come out and just declare that Yahweh was three persons in one, and that one of those persons would become flesh or take on flesh. But instead, these prophets left these little breadcrumb clues that the clever Gentiles would eventually put together and say, Aha! A three-in-one God! Think about this. Find a place in the New Testament where an Old Testament passage is quoted where the author of the New Testament is doing what the author of this blog is doing. Does anybody ever, like Jesus or the Apostle Paul or any other apostle, do they ever say, okay, I'm going to go to the Old Testament to show you that the Messiah is divine? And then they quote a reference, a passage. No, they never do that. Jesus, no, the Apostle Paul, they never did that. But a Trinitarian does that. They think they know more than Jesus or the Apostle Paul. They think they know better how to interpret the Old Testament than Jesus or the Apostle Paul. Jesus and the Apostle Paul and the other apostles went to the Old Testament and brought forth scriptures to show that the Messiah would suffer, be put to death, and would be raised from the dead by God, by his God. Look at the last chapter in the Gospel of Luke, for instance, and see how Jesus went into the Old Testament to show who he was. Never, never to show that he was God. So I would ask, why, deity of Christ believer, do you do that when neither Jesus nor any of the apostles ever did that? Now, my response is already getting longer than I wanted, but let me just say the thing that probably bothered me the most about this typical Trinitarian response or saddened me the most about these Trinitarian claims is how the author thinks that Jesus can't be just a mere man or simply a man. And it's a derogatory accusation. He accuses me of believing that Jesus is just human. And he wraps up this section where he says, what man could be described in this way? It would be blasphemous to call anyone the Lord of glory unless they were divine. 
Now, here's why this saddens me. This accusation is a satanic spirit against the humanity of Jesus and against man. Because here's what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that God has created mankind and man is privileged to be called a son or daughter of God, the children of God. We are privileged to have that position. And the Bible is saying that a man has been raised from the dead and placed at God's right hand. That's right, a mere man. Now, it's not just any man. It's not anybody driving down the highway right now. Jesus Christ was a descendant of Abraham, a descendant of David, whom God foreknew, who was empowered by God, anointed by God. But that man was put to death and was raised from the dead by God and placed at God's right hand. A human being has been placed at the right hand of God. A man, not an angel, not a God, not a God-man, but a man. In a satanic spirit, are you trying to slur this one at the right hand of God and say, he can't be a mere man. There can't be a mere man at the right hand of God. And this is one of the reasons the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm chapter 8. After showing that the man Christ Jesus has been declared to be the Son of God and put at the right hand of God, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 2, he says, There is a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory. God gave man glory and honor and put everything under his feet. Unquote. This is the declaration of the scriptures that God has put a man as our representative, as humankind's representative, at his right hand. But for some reason, Trinitarianism doesn't like that. They attack the man, Christ Jesus, at the right hand of God and say, he can't be just a mere man. You see, that's a satanic accusation. There's Satan is the accuser. Man can't be in that position. How could God put a man at God's right hand? He's a mere man. But this is exactly what the scriptures are claiming. When I quoted Acts chapter 2, I said that my belief lines up word for word with what the apostle Peter preached on the first Pentecost after Jesus was raised from the dead. Then Acts 2.22 to 36. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Then the author of this blog post tries to explain, okay, yeah, he's a man, but not really. He says, quoting from his article, Peter did believe Jesus was a man attested by God. But that is not all he believed about Jesus. Oh, really? 
He continues, in the book of Acts, Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Then he lists one, two, three verses. So let's just take a look at these verses and see what they say. Acts 2.33 says, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. It doesn't say the Father. It is the Father, yes. But Jesus in the Bible over and over again is exalted to the right hand of God. He is differentiated from God. The same in the next reference he gives, Acts 5.31. God exalted him at his right hand. You see, God is a singular person in that verse. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. And then he also he gives reference of Acts 7.55. When Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, was about to be killed, he looked into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, is Jesus differentiated from God when you say that he's at the right hand of God? Yes, he is. There's no deity of Jesus in the book of Acts. There is no trinity in the book of Acts. Acts 2.36, God has made Jesus Christ, Messiah, and Lord. Jesus has a God. The God of Israel is Jesus' God. So this accusation that Jesus can't be just a man, it's satanic. And you see what it does. It's saying that Jesus is not a human person, that the person at the right hand of God to the Trinitarian, to the deity of Christ believer, is a divine person, not a human person. They're eliminating the human person, the human being, the man, Christ Jesus. That is a denial of the Son. God has exalted a man, our representative, Jesus, the man from Nazareth, God has exalted him to God's right hand, given him glory. What a hope we have. What a promise we have. What an evidence of God's concern for man and honor that he's bestowed upon man. I'll stop there for now and maybe pick up some of the other claims in this article. Also in the next podcast, I'll plan to give scriptures that declare that Jesus was and had to be a man. Yes, if you would, a mere man. Not a God dressed up in flesh or a God-man, but simply a man, a real human being. And such scriptures directly contradict the deity of Christ's claim that Jesus couldn't be a mere man, or that a mere man couldn't be the way in which God provides salvation for all of humanity. Ishma'u anabim the humble will hear and rejoice.